What is good, America? It's Sherman Obed here once again, bringing you another episode here on What's the Word Entertainment. We're going to be doing something a little bit different this week in the usual sports and entertainment topics. We want to put on hold just for a sec here. We want to talk about the ongoing issues with surrounding this country as of late, more importantly, social justice or social injustice, more and more so just race in America. This is a special episode here on What's the Word Entertainment. Obed, glad to have you on, sir. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. How are you doing, Sherman? Yeah, you know, man, I'm chilling as always. Um, you know, let's just get into it, man. You know, obviously there has been so much happening within the last few weeks, last few months, I should even say, given the whole state of the country with the coronavirus, of course, as we know, which is affecting many people, but just so many other things happening. And more importantly, what's really going on in the culture and society as a whole. Um, I'm sure everyone is aware of the recent incident with involving the death of George Floyd in um, Minnesota, in Minneapolis. 46-year-old African-American male was killed while in custody of the police. Of course, there is a video, which is quite disturbing, as most have seen so far, where there is four uh, officers that were arresting Mr. Floyd, one in particularly uh, knelt down on the back of his neck for what I believe over eight minutes until he lost consciousness and eventually was pronounced uh, uh, dead later on. I mean, I feel like you know, so many people have been talking about this for quite some time, you know, so we don't have to go into too much detail about that specific incident itself. But I wanted to talk about the overall um, cases where this has been continuously happening. We've seen in so many instances where there's been acts of police brutality specifically more so against African-American and more so against African-American males in this country. Now, people may say, you know, they tend to escalate it, um, you know, doing things that are unnecessary, but we have to realize, you know, police do make uh, make mistakes, which are unnecessary as well, too. So, Obed, you know, I appreciate you, you know, doing this, of course, with me as usual, but here, let's really get into it and let's discuss, you know, first we can discuss about the George Floyd case and we can go on and maybe even how, how, you know, everything is, or people are talking about Black Lives Matter and such like that and how that is playing a role within sports. Um, but really, this case of overall, first of all, let's talk about the George Floyd, may he rest in peace, of course, you know, um, I feel terrible for his family, his, especially his daughter, uh, we all know former NBA player Steven Jackson was, in, was, a, was a friend of Mr. Floyd. You know, he said he's going to be taking care of his daughter, which is great. Um, how do you feel about this incident regarding the, I guess, the actions of the officers that were involved, Obed? Yeah, thank you very much, uh, Sherman. Yeah, no, um, it's, uh, it's definitely a sensitive time um, and a sensitive topic, uh, much as you alluded to. You know, even now, as we're dealing with this, the pandemic, uh, systemic racism, uh, it harkens, echoes ideas of uh, Colin Kaepernick and what he fought for and how him kneeling was an injustice to the soldiers, which is a lie, uh, and, you know, cost him his career, some would say, knowing that uh, these atrocities were occurring and he just wanted to bring light to them to start the conversation because if we can't come to the table and first say that, hey, we admit that this is a thing. Uh, we can't begin the process of undoing the damage, starting the healing and taking steps to a brighter future. You know, uh, it's unfortunate because, you know, the officers who killed Breonna Taylor still haven't been arrested. Um, and you, you, it makes you wonder how 
how real this gets for some people, right? Yeah. Uh, what if someone shot you while you were sleeping in your bed, right? What if uh, your son in Tamir Rice was playing at a park uh, and an officer got a call that there was an individual with a weapon? You're a 12-year-old child and somebody pulls up, a 26-year-old officer of the law pulls up and immediately starts shooting you. I don't know what parts of America you have been in, but I just don't couldn't perceive a child with a play toy gun running around being an actual threat that you got to jump out of your car like this is gangbusters. Um, mm-hmm. But but I digress. Um, you know because there are so many stories you're talking about where we are we are highlighting the George Floyd incident. Um, you know may he rest in peace. Uh, you know there there are a few things associated with that. Just the stories from one side of it as the officers speak to uh, what they felt like happened there. And then, you know, like New York Times doing an expose with all of the camera footage and um, people on the scene, their actual eyewitness accounts, putting together uh, the timeline of what occurred. Um, and it's, it's, it's pretty startling stuff. It's pretty, it's pretty, uh, it's pretty damning. It's pretty um, unfortunate to see that's how they handled business there. I mean, you know, you look at the, the individuals involved, um, this officer Chavin, uh, and George Floyd, uh, those individuals were coworkers at the same nightclub, you know, Chavin worked there for, uh, 17 years. You know, I, I can't imagine if I work security at a nightclub and I had my pre-shift meeting with the crew of people who are going to represent our, uh, club as security, right. We're putting trust in them to, to represent the organization. Um, you have no idea who they are. You know, I, I, I've always been a person who, you know, really couldn't forget a face, right? So, and not saying that everyone's like that, but I, I could imagine if I were to the place for 17 years and another individual worked there for a long time and we kind of worked in the same area of, of expertise that you wouldn't have crossed paths, you, know, you, you wouldn't have uh, known this individual. I, I, I have very deep-seated concerns that uh, there was more to this event um, when you look at what occurred uh, uh, as far as, you know, were the officers within their rights to detain him um, as they did? I don't know. Um, I don't know if they had the right to detain him. I feel like at least you can keep him from going anywhere and question him about the situation at hand. Yes. You know, I think everyone's, a lot of people have been detained by the police before, but you know, you watch the videos. Do you have the right to pull him out of the vehicle? I don't really believe so to put him in the handcuffs. I don't, I don't really believe so. I don't know what it got to that you needed to felt the need to handcuff him, um, to, to move him to the squad car. I, I, I again, don't yeah, know if that's it's right. Right. And every situation, of course, we know is different, you know, allows for different things to happen, but it's specifically more in this case. I mean, of course they can maybe, they, they can detain him, but I feel once you have him cuffed and on the ground and, Let's just say he may resist a little bit, even while he is cuffed. Maybe you lean on his arm. Maybe you, you know, press down on his ankle or something like that so he can no longer move and get away, right? But to sit there and put so much pressure and force upon the gentleman's head or neck area, so that's so much so that he actually yells, you know, he can't breathe and he passes out. I think it just... At just absolutely ridiculous and extremely excessive. And I think everyone agrees. 
Um, you know, and, I mean, the, all, all the full four officers that were involved in this case, you know, I believe they have been formally charged with, um, with third degree murder, I believe, and even second degree manslaughter charges were filed. Um, against against them, uh, they were they were officially terminated from the uh, from the Minneapolis Police Department. Um, but um, I just can't see where anyone can specifically say that the officers were, I guess, allowed to commit this sort of action. You know, I get it. You have to take all and any and all precautions when you are a police officer because that's one of as we as we all know is one of the most dangerous jobs to have you go to work every single day and you're putting your life on the line so shout out your first of all shout out to all the police officers out there who are doing the right thing okay i've i have friends who are i have friends who are cops in, in new york as a matter of fact one of my friends uh will will touch will get on this later you know he he, he sent me some comments about his about what he, his thoughts were so and i'll share that with you guys a little bit later on um, but I just think that, you know, it, it, it comes to a point where we have to at least realize and have some sort of sort of reform because this is continuously to happen. Like we said, George Floyd, uh, Eric Garner, uh, Trayvon Martin, you mentioned Breonna Taylor, you know, when does it actually, Michael Brown, when does it end, dude? You know what I mean? Like, it's just a continuous pattern, you know, but yet, you know, when it's instances involving non-African American males, for that matter, or or females, it's a different story. Things are, I guess, things play out, and I guess in a, even a different fashion, and they're not as excessive. So, I think there is a fact, there is a sense of systemic racism. I feel like racism is still 100% alive and well in this country, and I believe Absolutely. if you anyone out there who's listening. If you feel that's not the case, you're just being flat out naive. Yeah. You know, um, yeah. I just feel, I'm sure, and I we'll get into some instances, maybe you know, we can share each other with, with each other here. And if, if ever you, you've ever been a victim of racism or maybe some sort of prejudice, we can share that later on. But I just think that, you know, it's, it's, it's going to continuously to happen. And I'm not really sure how we can just change that without doing, you know, that those people, you know, I, I mean, basically what I'm trying to say is, excuse me for stuttering, how can we change those people's mentalities without speaking with them and you know informing them hey look it's that's not okay because yeah. unless you just flat out say hey you don't be racist you know whatever the case is it's yeah. going to continue to happen so and, so until people just stop being flat out racist or prejudiced or whatever the term may be, you know, it's going yeah. to continue to happen in certain instances like this. Now there's been a lot of reaction to this George George Ford case and protests, Black Lives Matter protests. There's been writing, advocacy for, you know, for, for, for rights for African-Americans and other, you know, uh, minorities. Um, I really, you know, how does it, you know, think, how does any of these topics, whether it's the protests, whether it's even the riots, how does it help or hurt society as a whole, Obed, in your mind? Uh, well, to Sherman, to your point about uh, systemic racism being an actual thing and it real and trying to get racists to stop being racist, you have individuals like Dylan Roof who are uh, emboldened to go into a church, sit with these people, and then turn a gun on these individuals. And, you know, I don't know what made him believe going into a place of worship and shooting lawyers, doctors, uh, teachers, uh, pharmacists, you know, it, it, contributing members of society when you are an individual who is 
potentially mildly literate, does not have a high school degree, you know, what made you think you could go in there and do this to these people as if they were beneath you when it just seems to be a lot of insecurity to have then to the police when you do arrest this person that you're taking him to the drive-through at a fast food joint before you take him to jail because he's hungry. I mean, you know, what, what kind of story is that? What, what kind of uh, outlook does that give us in the way that you deal with certain situations where you're gunning one party down who you have said in Philando Castile, hey, we want to see your, your ID. You, you are going to slowly reach for your wallet and then you shoot him uh, unannounced, you know, versus this individual who's committed an atrocity and killed a lot of people and you're picking up takeout for him so he can have a more comfortable stay at the courthouse. Um, you know, I, I, I think that it does help society for us to have, uh, excuse me, individuals who are willing to take up arms in the sense of knowledge and, uh, signboards and phone calls and, uh, online, uh, uh, event sharing and knowledge sharing in movements like Black Lives Matter and, you know, movements, um, like, uh, you know, the Million Men Want March well before then, uh, for those people who remember that from the 90s, um, where this is not a new, a, new, a new normal. This is the normal that people have been living. And sometimes protesting is the only way that you can raise awareness, that you can help to start spread the news. Uh, think of Juneteenth, the actual uh, holiday of Juneteenth. It's literally a celebration of the last state officially sounding that slavery had been abolished in America. And it had already been proclaimed by Abraham Lincoln two and a half years earlier, but the news hadn't made its way to every person held in captivity because it relied on the advance of Union troops, and Union troops weren't everywhere. So by the time it got to Texas and the last person found out that, hey, we're, we're free people, it had been two and a half years, right? How much more systemic racism is that than like the, the dissemination of the wrong news, right? Fake news, essentially, which is fake news has been around forever. The person calling things fake news is probably helping create the fake news right now. Um, and so, you know, having, uh, having movements such as Black Lives Matter, having movements where individuals feel like it's time, it's not enough to be uh, against racism. You have to be anti-racist. You don't have to be mindful of it. You have to act against it, make decisions that go counter to what we're used to. Uh, and I think, I think not rioting, I think, uh, you know, sound mind, uh, educated, intelligent, protesting, peaceful protesting, but disseminating quality information, creating uh, communities where we can practice positive uh, statements of our power as the people and the power to make change, I think is absolutely beneficial to society. Um, Sherman, how do you think it hurts though? I mean, obviously there, there's, there's so much value, but what do you think could be bad about that? Well, okay, so you mentioned one thing in particular. You said peaceful protesting, of course. That is the key being, or keyword being peaceful. Now, we have things like where you see people are rioting and things like that. That is obviously hurting the movement and the overall, you know, purpose of things. You know, you got dudes out in New York or LA, whatever the case is, you know, Chicago, whatever, people running up in Nike and sneaker stores and clothing stores and just trying to just get free stuff. That's not doing anything, dude. Matter of fact, you're just furthering the, the reason in people's minds why African, African Americans may be, you know, more, more purposely doing things, you know, in a negative fashion. So you, by, by 
by doing these, I guess, illegal acts or, like I said, breaking into stores and stealing stuff like that, dude, you just, you're basically feeding into the mentality of these people who view African-American males or, or African-American folks as, as, an, as, as derogatory negative, you know what I mean? So that's not helping anything, okay? So people, if you stop the rioting and things like that, that's not doing anything, okay? Now, as far as just the overall movement, Yes, it's a, it's of course it needs to it's it's supposed to be uplifting and and positive, and when people and when we say Black Lives Matter, we're not saying and pe some people say well all all lives people say well all lives matter. Well, obviously we know that all lives do matter, but however, if we feel the need to say Black Lives Matter, we feel that you know what you're thinking that Black lives don't matter because that's the reason why we're trying to say it because. Where there's so much prejudice and racism against African American African American folks, males and females in this country. So it's not the fact that if people just automatically assume, well, you know, you're saying by saying Black Lives Matter, you're saying all other lives don't matter. No, that's like saying, Obed, you you find a girl and you tell her you love her. You're not saying you don't love you like, or let's say you find you find this one girl beautiful. You're not saying every other girl in the world is is, is not beautiful. That's not what yeah. you're saying. The no, same thing. No. no, you know, you're just saying that you find this particular girl absolutely beautiful. That's it. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know, you're not saying when you love someone, you're not saying you hate everyone else. So when people yeah. say, when I say, oh, well, you say black lives matter, you say other lives don't matter. No, they're just trying to realize that, yo, it is important. African-Americans, the black, black people, their lives do indeed matter because contrary to belief, you know, with the police brutality and things like that, it seems that they don't matter. So we're trying to raise, tell people, yes, we are just as important to society as everyone else. That's where it really um, needs to focus on and you know, make that, I guess, definition there more prominent. As far as hurting society, again, you know, with the with the rioting and things like that, that's really the biggest thing that's really hurting this whole cause, and I think that needs to stop now. There has been now that's died down a little bit, you know. Um, like I said, there has been peaceful protest, um, but it's really what's really hurting it is just the folks who are downplaying the movement. Um, there was a shot, I believe, a photo of some folks. I want to say it's in New Orleans. Forgive me if I'm wrong here, where there was a peaceful protest walking down the street. A husband and wife came out of their home with guns drawn on their lawn. Just, just pointing them out at folks at the protesters. Like, dude, well, we're just they're just simply protesting walking by the street. Yeah. But yet you see you would need to come outside of your crib holding, just ready to go. Like that's look at who's helping. escalating to violence. Like look mm -hmm. at who is escalating to violence. You're you're meeting, you can't fight fire with fire. You have to fight fire with water. You know, so as much as someone is going to be hot and bothered you're going to have to fight them with peace tranquility love which is very hard to do when you show up with weapons well, that you have poor form and holding really if we can <laughs> you're not you're not really hitting anybody with those you just want to come out there and wave it around like you're going to do something yeah dude, exactly. that one that one uh, lady she was holding that thing like she was holding a warm cup of tea like dude what are you doing <laughs> right now like come on she's really trying to get those biscuits huh <laughs> yo i mean come on, I, I yeah i mean maybe it was just for show maybe they knew that they were going to become the next meme i mean i it's it, uh, I, you know, in all honesty, I had a friend who, who did spot out that she knew where those individuals lived in, uh, Missouri, um, which is, which Missouri, is, okay, say, sorry. Yep. you know, this is, and I believe, I don't know if it's St. Louis specifically, but it is in Missouri. Um, and you know, it's, it's, it's rough. Um, I, I can't say that these individuals 
have, well, let's look at their mentality to begin with, if we can, just, just for the, the sake of argument. They sure. always come with the same responses. You say Black Lives Matter. Well, all lives matter. You say, uh, you know, defund the police and just like, oh, do you want, what are you going to do? There's not going to be any money anywhere. Be a militia. Okay. All right. We're talking about real reallocating funds of the police to other places than uh, where they currently go. You know, it, it's, it says something when you have individuals who are protesting peacefully marching down the street, singing songs, and the police show up ready for what looks like World War III. You know, I, what, you can't escalate things to that level just on sheer, we know how people work. We know people are visual. We know people respond to uh, the way you present yourself. You know, try not to present yourself in such a violent manner to the people, you know, and maybe you'll see that these individuals are just like you. There's such, these are very divided times right now and not that these individuals haven't existed before then. Um, All right. But they, you know, they're, they're definitely, like I said, they're emboldened at this time. They, they believe that they need to stamp out whatever this is because it's infringing on their freedom, their freedom, which is their privilege. And if they feel like they have to give up their privilege, they, they're not really to do that. Right, right. It's, it's, and it's a shame that, you know, things have continuously to escalate and grow in, in, this, in this fashion. Um, Quickly, into I wanted to just touch on you know how it is how are sports involved in this in in, in, in this whole in, in its entirety of you know of how social injustice social justice issues are being affected you know or being portrayed out in sports you know recently a few months ago um, New York Knicks owner James Dolan downplayed the whole social social justice issues um, he didn't issue a statement after most almost every organization did you know companies from all over dude I'm getting emails from from, you know, social media um, at platforms or, you know, ride sharing platforms or food platforms. They're just, ish every comp, comp, big corporation or everyone's issuing statements that they're, they are standing up for social justice. And of course, James Dolan typically running their next organization to the ground as always, didn't, doesn't issue. Then he kind of backpedaled, backpedals the statement after a negative response, things like that. Um, in, a, in football, um, Saints quarterback, Drew Brees, um, got some backlash for his stance on whether we should stand for the national anthem, saying that, you know, never agree with anyone who disrespects the flag. Then he issued an apology, um, you know, quickly on, you know, that, especially on that thing. And cause you mentioned Colin Kaepernick before Obed, and that was his biggest thing. He pretty much gave up his career, not, not intentionally. Of course, we also, as we all know, he's been blackballed by the NFL for basically advocating and you know for social justice and basically for saying you know he's not going to stand for the national anthem which i i think we might have talked about this before but to me just because you don't stand up during the national anthem doesn't mean you're anti-american or you're anti-military you know this was drew Brees' thing is that you know he had a grandfather who fought in the militaries in the war and he disrespecting him. that has not one has nothing to do with the other okay it's basically you're getting upset for people not, this is what it is. You're getting upset for people not standing out of this, standing up while a song is being sung or played. That's basically what it is. And it's, to me, it's absolutely ridiculous because so let's say people say, no matter what, you should stand up for the national anthem. Okay, so no matter what, you're telling me I need to stand up when, when this particular song. So if I'm driving in my car and I, and I listen to a radio and that song comes on, do I need to stop my car, pull over the side of the road and stand and listen to the national anthem? No. And if I don't do it, it's going to be okay. If I'm in New York and some person in Seattle, Washington doesn't stand up, it's not, not going to affect me in any sort of way, if I'm, if I'm not mistaken, right? No. 
No. no. I mean, am I still going to have my job the next day? Yeah. Am I going to still have to pay bills? Yeah. So people, when people say it's absolutely, when people say it's disrespectful, you know, it's affects, it doesn't affect anything. You're standing or standing up. You're not, you're standing or not standing up for a song. That's basically what it is. It's not a poem. It's not, it's not, it's, you know what I mean? It's, it's not, you know, it's, it's not it's, a state. It's, it's a song itself that has a, a very checkered past as well. If you, you really get into it. Right. Um, but you know, it's, it's, I, I have to be cognizant that yes, we want to show respect to a nation. I, you know, I watch enough international football that, you know, when, when their music plays, people are standing, but I, I've been to Nats games and, you know, sat in the upper deck and listened to the national anthem while people are still drinking their beer where people are still talking, you know, it gets to the end, they play ball, they, they hoot and holler because the game started. Yeah. But you know, nobody is out here judging them. Right. Accosting right. them because they have not stood. They are still imbibing and enjoying the game. I, I, honestly, I will at times at least stop and wait for the music to end before I'll continue whatever yeah, I'm I, doing. I, I will as well too, but I just think it's ridiculous that people are threatening or giving people so much backlash just for just not standing up while a song is being played they're yeah. still saying they still respect america they still respect you know or the military more specifically yeah. and i just think it's you know like i said drew Brees, he really just because he was getting thrown out thrown out there under the bus and he and his teammates were calling him out that's why he issued the apology absolutely i mean he backtracked so fast I, i'd never seen a quarterback move that fast before out of the pocket uh you know <laughs> it, it was it was yeah. and really it was because he even Drew Brees from Odessa, Texas, uh, has to recognize how much of his career is made 100% solely on the hands, legs, and uh, football acumen of African-American players. Uh, yes, he's a fantastic quarterback, but, you know, if you don't have the Marquez Colstons, the Ted Ginns, the uh, Michael Thomases, the Alvin Kamara's, the LaDainian Tomlinson in their time, um, you know, those individuals, Kenny Stills, Brandon Cooks, like these uh, uh, individuals he's played with. Mark who, Ingram, yeah. yeah. The, the, the Ingrams, oh my goodness, he played with a Hall of Fame. Yeah, Reggie Bushes, you know, you won a quarter mm-hmm. of the Super Bowl with him. Um, yeah, you, you kind of take, you kind of, it's a slap in the face to think that you have made a killing in your career path, have made a lot of connections, won a lot of games, won Super Bowls with these people. You know, you've been to the highest highs, the lowest lows, and you still somehow cannot fathom, cannot, you know, come to the table and say, okay, I understand that this is an issue. Okay, I understand that this is a problem for you guys. I, I haven't mm-hmm. seen this myself, but mm-hmm. it's real. It exists. Um, right. And, it you does. know, no matter who has is consulting him and saying, Hey, this has nothing to do with disrespecting. Uh, you know, the, Colin Kaepernick went and spoke to someone who'd been in the military about the best way for him to express this. And they told him to take a knee and you, 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 wow. you still are, you know, they've, they've got this individual and this guy's famous cause he's now getting on TV all the time. He's just like, yeah, I legit told him like, this is a, this is probably the most respectful way that he can do this, make a statement, still honor individuals that he cares about because he mm. does care about the troops. And you're yeah. still accosting him for it, and you're right. still misconstruing it. It's just—it's nonsense. It, it's a—it's a, the fake news. Yeah. It's the fake news spin. Uh, and and you know there are so many different instances that are continuously happening. Happening, you know, um, something somewhat similar in, in NASCAR recently. You know, Bubba Wallace. There was this noose that was found in his uh, garage at the, at the speedway. The, the track, you know, it was, it was not, it was, it was, um, they did a full investigation. It was found that, you know, that was there already. They're still looking to, you know, what have you. Um, 
like I said, uh, uh, Colts linebacker uh, Darius Leonard was a victim of racial kind of racial profiling recently. He was eating at a, uh, a Chipotle restaurant. Manager asked him and his party just to leave because someone, a white white American male, complained that him and his him and his folks were you know neither being uh, loud or too aggressive, what have you. They were sitting there talking about Black Lives Matter while just eating food, but yet they were asked to leave the restaurant. You know, yeah. this it's stuff like this happens all the time, dude. Um, yeah. You know, I mean, the NBA, I think, is doing a great job. They're, if you're being outspoken about their, they want to do their part and try to help out. They just they announced that they're going to be painting Black Lives Matter on the floor in Orlando when they resume their season. But yeah. there are so many instances where it can just continue to happen. Um and I actually wanted to get into maybe perhaps a more personal situation with you a bit, if, if you don't mind. I mean, maybe I'm not sure if you have in the, in the past or, you know, ever maybe perhaps been a victim of any sort, sort of racism or uh, racial profiling at any point in time in your life, whether it's in, you know, it's been in this country or another or, or else. Um, do you have any sort of experiences yourself or been witness to, if not, maybe have one that maybe you're familiar with from another individual at all? Well, yes, no, I mean, uh, so it's, it's, thank you for asking and broaching the, 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 uh, the subject matter, uh, because I think everyone has some kind of story like this, at least I, I would assume they do, that's how we all kind of connect uh, in the hardship of life, um, but, you know, being from another country and, you know, something that my parents were always very uh, adamant about was like understanding just the sentiments of America and, and how they treat certain people and some of the problems that you can get into here that like, as a, as a kid, I never, I was just like, you people are crazy. Like, what are you talking about? Like, it's, it's just, it's not that bad out there, but you know, as now as an adult and looking back at years of events of things that have happened, you know, um, I was at university at V George Mason university. I was heading to class one day uh, in my Honda civic that, had some damage on it, so I'd I'd uh, gotten a rejection sticker, a nice little pink sticker for anybody who who's lived in Virginia, um, because I had to get some something fixed. Flat tire in the rain, getting rained on, completely drenched. I have to deliver my uh, art project to uh, class as the last day I can turn in my final my final project, and I am you know fixing the tire. I see someone like above me while I'm, while I'm down and I like stand up and I see this person quickly turn around. I look at my car. There's a ticket. I look at this individual, kind of an older gentleman who was driving in an unmarked vehicle. It was an officer. And I was like, Hey, uh, what's the deal? He was like, Oh, you have a rejected sticker. So I gave you a citation. It was like a $50 fine or something. I was like, uh, okay. Um, I have a flat tire. Can you help me? And he looks me up and down. He's just like, no, I can't help you. Gets in his car, drives away. Not until that point. I had just had this assumption of America that like, you know, when people, a person was in distress, the officer would come by, he'd probably lay down some road flares. I've seen officers helping an individual, you know, right. who's not the different makeup of me, uh, a tall person who could probably handle themselves, but they had all the tools in the back. They had the car jacked up nice and easy, help them change the tire. He, and I, as a person who I did have a job at the time, so I was paying taxes in uh, the state of Virginia. So that makes me a contributing member of society. One would think I could get a little help out here. So I file a complaint. Um, and, you know, the talking to the officer, uh, he was just like, well, you know, he's kind of old and he does his own things. We don't really hassle him too much. Listen, we'll tear it up. Don't even worry about it. Have a nice day. Hangs up. So not only am I subject to uh, what I would say poor behavior from an officer of the law, 
they then brush it under the rug as just, I guess, good, hearty, uh, old man cuteness uh, for a person who, mentality for a person who is paid by my taxes to come and give me a ticket and not help me change my tire. Um, and, you know, that's one of many events that happened in the richest county in America, in Fairfax, Virginia, um, where, you know, I just felt like a lot of the things that my parents had warned me of were just par for the course in America. America's never really had the strongest uh, positive outlook, I would say, or, or, or um, what's the term I should use here? The, the, the most warmest welcome for a lot of immigrants when you look at what's going on with DACA now and you look at what's going on with families being separated at the border or individuals now with the Supreme Court ruling can be deported immediately, um, which is just crazy, this tit for tat going on in the Supreme Court. Um, but, you know, I have, it's been very obvious for me to know that like this land is not my land, right? And while I can make a name for myself here, I can own a piece of it it's really hard to ever feel at home because at any moment I can have to deal with racism for no reason, whether I'm from here or not, just because I look the part, I'm subject to some kind of shortcoming uh, that is, you know, unfortunate because there is so many positive moments uh, about living in this country. There's so many great relationships and people I've met, so many awesome individuals from all kinds of walks of life that you're able to interact with here. Uh, and, you know, this really is the land of opportunity by comparison to a lot of other countries. Um, and it just, you know, I may, I may have said it before, it just seems as though this systemic racism is, is par for the course. Uh, it's just something that you're going to engage with and interact with in almost every walk of life. Absolutely. Absolutely. hundred percent agree with you. Yeah. I'll share quickly an incident that tends to do come, come into mind quick, you know, quite often when I think about, this kind of topics and instances um, in college, uh, leaving, this is maybe, a, probably I would say a Saturday night, maybe 2 a.m., 1 a.m., 2 a.m., leaving, leaving a club with, with, a, with my, one of my friends and known him for quite some time. Shout out, shout out to my boy, Big Dave out in Cali. It was good, man. Um, him and I coming out the club, me and him, on our way, going to go back, going to go back to the crib and chill. Now, both him and I, good dudes, go to school, do what we got to do. And, you know, this is new in the morning. We're, you know, we're good. And uh, we do, we have, we have, I'll, I'll, I'll set the story straight. We have three other individuals with us of the female persuasion. So, you know, we're not thinking of getting anything reckless on the streets, nothing like that. We're going to the crib. We're going to go chill. Okay. <laughs> I'll just say and a one boom, we're there. Good. That's it. Okay, so we're, we headed to the vehicle. He was the designated driver that night, so we head to the car in the parking garage, not too far from the club, and we see a younger guy and a girl, and they're kind of crouched down, sitting down on the curb, and the girl's crying. The guy's kind of console her. We say, "Hey, is everything okay?" The guy says, "Hey, she was just uh, robbed. She got her purse stolen from some guy." Uh, she's just a little shaken up, but she's off. I was like, hey, you sure? You want us to call the police? Anything you need? Yada, yada, yada. Now, even the girls that we were with, they offered to stay with the girl, you know, until the police came down to control it. The whole thing. That's like, just no, great. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah it's great scenario. Like, oh, okay, man. Other than what happened, of course. Oh, no, thank you. No problem. You know, they should be here any second. You know, that was like, all right, no doubt. Cool. So we hop in the car. So we turn the corner, see the, see the vehicle, hop in the car, try to roll out. So when we get out to the parking garage by where the exit is, 
there's a bunch of, now the cops have arrived, taking their statements from the people, things like that. I would say there's maybe two or three cop cars and four police officers total. They stop our vehicle, of course, you know, they want to check out everybody, which, okay. Stop the vehicle, come to the driver's side. My boy's driving, again, he's a designated driver. And he says, hey, you guys, you know, we got a little incident here going on. You guys know anything about it, yada, yada. No, we actually just talk to them, you know, whatever the, cat, the case is, you know, it's like, okay. They say, hang out a second. I'm like, all right, chilling here and whatever, no big deal. So like I said, I'm in the front with him. Pat, other people are in the back. And a couple of minutes later, the guy, the officer comes back over to us. He says, hey, do me a favor, guys, step out the car. We're like, what's up? What's, what's going on? Like, just step out the car. Like, is there a problem? What happened? We're, we're on our way home. That's it. We, you know what I mean? No, we just, we just got to just talk to you about the situation. Like, all right, see where this goes. So talking, talking, talking. And, and basically he said that, says to us after getting our IDs and everything, you know, we had a little incident involving people over here. You guys fit the description. Okay. So I say to him now, meanwhile, I say to him, well, what's the description? Like, well, you guys fit the description. Is it now think about it, now I said, to him, is it more than one person you're looking for? Because if there's, let's say two, three people they're looking for, okay, it could fit any one of description. It could fit my description, it could fit my boys. Description. I get that. But there's one description that one, there's only one person that was involved in this incident. Let me, let me tell you something here. First of all, I'm about 5'10", five, five, a little over, probably about 5'10 and a half at this point in time in college. I'm about a buck 40 soaking wet while holding two five-pound dumbbells, okay? <laughs> My boy under here, Big Dave, he's about 6'2", 6'3", 215. I have long uh, braids in my hair. He's got a short cut. I'll give you one chance to tell me how the two of us fit the same, fit the same one description. Of course, African-American male. Meanwhile, to tell you that the couple that was involved in the, in the incident, they're literally telling the police, guy, sirs, it's not them. Let them go. Let them go. They, yeah. They're fine. Let them go. They're actually yelling it at the cops. They're telling us to wow. let us go because we, they know we weren't involved. We actually offered to help them. But the police officers still made us stay there, ran our IDs, checked our background, the whole nine. And they said, we fit the description. Those are his words exactly. It just goes to show you, no matter where you are, you think you are, racism is still alive and well. No matter, it could be the most broad town, the most diverse town, most undiverse, whatever the case is. Yeah. It's just, it's always going to be a part. So it's always going to be a part of society, you know? And especially when dealing with cops, you know, and different levels of law enforcement, there's always going to be that some sort of a little side of judgment, you know? Um, and I say this about police officers. Like I said, not all police are bad. You know, like I said, I have friends who are police. Yeah. I even uh, had a chance to speak with one of my friends back in New York. Shout out to Sean. Um, he's a Caucasian male who was formerly a police officer in New York. And I wanted to get his feedback on some things, you know, about the whole you know, George Floyd case and social justice and things like that. Um, and he said a couple of things, which I, which I thought was very, very um, uh, important and in, in, uh, in, uh, shedding some light on the, in certain situations. I asked him, you know, what, what is it like, you know, it's about being a cop and that he could share with me. And one of the things he said, quote, was, no one hates a bad cop more than a good cop. 
you know, you know, bad cop makes the good cop's job a hundred times more difficult. You know, people always remember they had a bad interaction with the police officer and police, they always pretty much generally associate that with, you know, with that incident, with the bad, you know, with the bad police and not just the good ones, you know? So it's kind of tough. I get it. Like I said before, a police officer, that's a very, very tough job, you know? Yeah. Uh, and he even said, you know, he's had people that he's had on the same tour as him, you know, while working to, they're bad cops where he's been, he's, he's avoided to work with before, uh, you know, just because he knows their mentality. He's known their kind of tactics that they have. Um, right. And one of the things we were, Obeda, you and I were speaking about earlier in the show was that, you know, whether we should, you know, the societies in there for protests and things like that to maybe defund the police. Sean yeah. said, you know, this is something that should not happen, defunding police because, but, but they do need to make changes. Yes. Changes can be made to better allow community-oriented policing. Police departments have been run like corporations in many areas, mostly big cities. You know, uh, you know, so it helps neighborhoods and and law enforcement to develop can develop the better better relationships. You know, um, yeah. so I just think it's quite interesting hearing from a former police officer. You know what the differences are. I mean, do you have any thoughts on how things can specifically change Obed? were given to is it just police reform um is it just is it you know is it a matter of giving less funding to police because like i said before unless you actually p change people's mentality of being racist it's still going to continue am i am i wrong please tell me if i am i i feel like you're right there at this point you know one thing i will think we've seen in society is too much carrot people have got been given the carrot far too often that they don't get the stick. I think we're at the point now where, yes, we want to have an open conversation, but you have to correct the behavior or else the behavior will continue. So you've got to be able to step in and say, no, that's wrong. But think about this, but take this into account. Um, I think it starts with reallocation of funds, right? As opposed to putting more money into the police or more money into resources the police need, be it weapons, you know, how about de-escalation? I don't understand why the police only de-escalate in certain scenarios, but in others, they go to 1 million so quickly. I saw a video where an officer kicked an individual who, you know, his partner watched him kick the guy and then bum rush him and was just like, oh, okay, I guess this is happening now. Not even to the effect that like, this is what we would be doing in our normal day-to-day, -day, right? Yeah, I want it to be as nice as the, the cops who are called on kids playing the street and then they start playing basketball or football with them, but it's a lot harder than that. And another thing is that it's pervasive everywhere, right? Uh, it's not enough that we reallocate funds away from bad police departments, bad police officers. How do we keep private industry, banks from making sure they lend to everyone? So that you know you can go and get a, a bank account at a very good bank and get the right kind of services, get the right kind of return on your investment. You know how do we keep? Uh, and you know the, you think of individuals like uh, Alexis Ohanian, who recently he's the founder of Reddit, left the board of Reddit and told them that they need to fill his position with an African American because it's time, right? We can't just talk about hey we're going to give you a seat at the table. That means that we own the table. They need to know that they are at the table all of the time. That the table belongs to them, um, you know. And and it's it's great now. You so you know you see them trying to get rid of uh, 
racist caricatures, you know, uh, in Aunt Jemima and Uncle Ben, uh, individuals are being called out, uh, Jimmy Kimmel for his portrayal of, uh, Carl Malone, Carl Malone, um, when he was like, yeah, yeah. Um, and you know, it's, it's very much a very, you know, multi-pronged, multi-thronged, uh, approach because there are just so many pervasive areas where this comes into play that, mm-hmm. you know, the, the, incidences of how hard it is for an individual to really enjoy the American dream versus others in this country. Um, and you know, where do you begin? Where do you start? There's so many parts. Right. Right. And, you know, just to kind of just touch on just a little bit before we roll out of here, Obed, Sean also um, gave me some comments and some notes on whether he thought, you know, like I said, the George Floyd case itself and, you know, other instances, you know, where people have been victims of police brutality. And speaking about the George Floyd situation, Sean did share that he definitely thought the officers were 100 percent wrong in this case. The fact that they were kneeling on the man's neck for over nine minutes was absolutely uncalled for. And as he said, you know, as a police officer, you can and will always you know, can get into fights but um, every department has a use of force guidelines but a general rule is once the cuffs are on the fight stops sure a person can can still fight and resist with cuffs on but mr floyd was doing neither that was the thing about it and that's something kind of i said how i said earlier you know and when i asked him again about other instances you know he said you know he can really go on for days but no cop really goes into work puts on the badge and says I'm going to kill someone today. No one says that, you know, Uh, but all citizens need to realize and regardless of color that they need to understand that fighting an officer in the street is not where you plead your case. If you believe you're innocent or wrongfully arrested, that needs to be taken care of in the court of law. You know, a hundred percent, you know, I will say, you know, watching, we, we all watch TV, you all watch movies, you know, we see people running from the cops and they think it's a good idea. It's not this, you know, can end up badly. If you have to get arrested and go downtown, you know, so be up, you can end up fighting that. But you can't yeah. fight. If you get, if you get hemmed up and you get beaten or whatever, you can't fight that, you know. What yeah. is, look, he's no longer with us. Can't fight that no more, you know. Yeah. Say, what, what would happen? What would have, what, how would this would have turned out differently? If he just said, all right, here, I'm done. I'm under arrest. I get it. Take me in. Yeah. Who knows? You know what I mean? He could be on the street right now. But, you know, I'm not saying... Yeah. Oh, anyway, by all means, please, please, ladies and gentlemen, I'm not saying this is because we all know this is the officer's fault, of course. However, just to kind of relate what Sean was kind of saying in his offline in his comments that, you know, that's not where you plead your case on the street. You do it in a court of law. So, but he also said that please do need to do a to do better. And uh, we as a community need to do better, but that's all easier said than done, of course. So, you know, I will leave it at that on my end, uh, Obed. But I think just overall, I think as a society, well, one last thing, as a society, everyone needs to do better. Everyone needs to care a little bit more and just strive to be better individuals and overall. Yeah. If there's one thing I can say, I would, I would say uh, it's about putting yourself in someone else's shoes. We, we all have problems. We all have concerns. We're all hurting. Um, but if we can't practice empathy and see that that's another human being on the other side, uh, we're just gonna be stuck in the mud. Absolutely. Yep. Um, Obed, I appreciate you joining me here once again, always. Um, I think that's going to do it for us this week, folks here on what's the word entertainment. Don't forget to check us out on SoundCloud at soundcloud.com slash what's the word entertainment. And also on Twitter at the WWENT. Uh, for Obed, I am Sherm. We will catch you guys next time. Peace. Peace.